All right, so for the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and we've been learning that Jesus is better than everything. And there's something that the author of Hebrews has been telling us uh, just recently. He's been talking about this thing called rest, right? You guys have been getting some good rest, hopefully, over the summer. But guess what? School's starting in how many weeks? Oh, you don't even want to think about it. Like four weeks, something like that. So it's coming. Be ready. Get some rest now. But that's not the kind of rest that we've been talking about. The author of Hebrews has been talking about this rest that is salvation. It's this rest from having to worry about sin and having to worry about punishment that comes with that hell. Instead, you have this hope that lasts for eternity, right? This ability to live forever with God at his side. And that brings a rest that nothing else compares to. And that's the rest he wants you to have. And so he's been walking us through the first couple chapters of this book, just telling you how incredible Jesus is and that you can have this rest. He really wants us to leave here tonight knowing that that rest is for you and that Jesus is on your side. And so he's going to like, as he's talked about, hey, don't miss the rest, right? He talked about like this boat that was kind of like they forgot to throw the anchor down on time and it's going to just drift past the harbor where salvation is. And you're just because you're not thinking about it, you're just going to drift right by it and you're going to miss it. He says, don't do that. Don't miss out on this thing that your whole eternity is hinging on. And now he's going to shift gears a little bit and he's going to tell us why it's so awesome to be able to step into that rest, that salvation that God has for you. He's going to talk about Jesus tonight. Um, And so we're in Hebrews chapter four, if you guys want to open there, verses 15 and 16 are what we're looking at tonight. I'll read it to you. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so he starts off just kind of repeating. Last week we saw he introduced this idea of a high priest, like Jesus is the greatest of all high priests. And so verse 15, he says, for we don't have a high priest. He's going to tell us what we don't have in Jesus, right? The things that are good that they're not there. But let me remind you, Hebrews 4.14, he said this in the last verse. Listen to this. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So that's the high priest he's talking about. And you hear how he refers to him, Jesus, the Son of God. There's two big things there. First of all, Jesus is his earthly name. Jesus represents his humanity, the fact that he was born on this earth, that he lived a life like we lived, that he had a family like you have a family, that he did all basically the same things. He had chores like you have chores. He was frustrated by the same things we probably get frustrated by. He lived as a human Don't forget that he had humanity. He was Jesus. And that's why he he puts his name right there to remind us how awesome it is that Jesus can relate to your life. And so you're not talking to someone when you talk to this great high priest that has no idea what you're going through. He has this humanity in him, but he also calls him the son of God. He's not just some dude. And a lot of people today, religions today are rallying around this right now. Jesus was just a dude. You know, there's lots of good dudes, lots of good prophets, lots of good preachers out there that make you feel good, and they're just pointing us to the force. You know, it's basically just Star Wars, like this big Star Wars religion that's happening where we don't really believe anyone's really out there. It's just like a force. That's not what the Bible says. 
Jesus was a man, but he is also, he says, the son of God. And this is his divinity, like his, the fact that he is God. He's not just man. He is also God. At the exact same time, Jesus represents both for you. And that's really important because if he was just a man, he would never cut it. It'd never be good enough. You can place your faith in a man all day long. If Jesus was just a man, you're not going to heaven. Jesus was just a man. You're not getting forgiven. It's just a good story that might make some people feel good before they die. But he wasn't just a man. And that's why the author of Hebrews says, Jesus, the son of God. Yes, he was man, but at the same time, he was also 100% God. Because he was big enough and valuable enough that his blood could pay for your sin. That you could actually find forgiveness and get salvation. Because he's God. And so he wants us to see here by saying this about our high priest, that he's both. He's this bridge between man and God. like the perfect connector between us and God, because that's the thing that broke. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, from then on, this thing broke, this connection between us and God, this relationship was shattered, and now there's no way for me to get to him anymore because it's brokenness. That's all I got. I can't even be in his presence because I'm just represented by sin. And so what we need is this connector, this bridge that can bring us back to a holy God when I'm not holy, and Jesus does that because he is man, but he's also God. So he's this perfect peace that fits between us and God to restore our relationship again. We can connect again and be like, God, like, I want to be your child. I want to be forgiven. And Jesus steps in and says, I have the way to do that. I am the way to do that. He is this incredible high priest that is man and God at the same time. And so it says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize. That word empathize is to like be able to feel on someone else's behalf. Like you might have a friend that is like super high on empathy. Like anything happens in the classroom, they know how everybody's feeling. They're the one going around giving out hugs, you know, not in a creepy way. They're the one that's like there when you're hurting and they kind of know already what you're feeling. Empathizing is like being able to understand, relate to, the feelings of other people. And we have a high priest, Jesus, who can empathize with you. Like he's not just some like super high being out there that knows no, has no clue what it's like to walk through a middle school hallway. He knows, he understands it. He feels your heart. He understands your problems. He can empathize with you and know that. Whatever it is you're going through or feeling, Jesus can do that. And so when he said this, when the author writes this, he's, he's able to empathize with us. The people who are hearing this are like, no way, like that, that's impossible. How could you even say that? Like immediately they would want to push back on this author. Like, wait, that's not what we believe about God. You see, the Jews believe God's this big, strong, distant, like being that was just like, follow my law, do what I say, or I'll smite you. Like that's kind of how they saw God. And so you followed the law. You were a good Pharisee or Sadducee. And you did what God said or else, like, that was it. And so he was distant and cold and too high for us to, like, ever reach, which was totally true. He is. He's too far away. He's too holy. He's too perfect. But they missed the fact that we have a high priest named Jesus that can be the Brit. And so they had this, this God in their mind that could not relate to them in any way. So to even say that Jesus could, they were like, upset about it, you know? And then all, the, all these other religions, right? Because they're living in Rome. 
or in, under Roman rule. And so like all these Roman gods and even Greek gods were just basically these made up images of people that like these gods that they were so much better than humans, they could never relate. They basically looked down and just played games with humans and made their lives miserable and laughed and, and did all these things to human beings, but they were so different and so other than humans that there was never a way for them to really empathize with the human's feeling. So no matter what these people believed as they heard this author write it, whatever God they believed in, they were all pushing back going, that doesn't sound like God. At least no God that we know. And the author's like, exactly. Exactly. He's not like any of your gods. He's better than all of your gods. Remember this book keeps saying Jesus is better. He's better than even your gods. He is the greatest because he can actually relate and empathize with you. He knows what you feel. You ever been like in a situation with a parent or a teacher or some sort of authority figure in your life where they make a rule and you're just like, you just don't get it. Like you don't understand me. You don't, how dare you make that rule because you don't like know what I'm going through or know my life. And you feel kind of like it's so unjust and unfair of them, right? And it's because you feel like they don't get you. They don't understand you or they would never tell you to do that or, or deny you that thing because they just don't get your life. We can't say that with God. Jesus gets you on every level. He gets you better than you get yourself. So everything that Jesus tells you is better for you than you could do for your own self. He can empathize with you. And that's huge. And then it says, empathize with what? With our weaknesses. You see that there? It doesn't mean that Jesus sinned. Like, he doesn't empathize with your weakness because he was weak, because he sinned. But what it's saying is that all the temptation that comes into your life, things that you know you're like, I should not do this. This does not honor God. But there's a temptation there to be like, but I still want to, right? Like, I still want to do this thing, even though I know it's wrong. And that temptation is in there pulling you and calling to you, and you're kind of like fighting it. But a lot of times it's hard. And we give in to that temptation. Jesus understands the temptation. That weakness that says, I know it's wrong. I know it will hurt me. And I know it might hurt others. But I want to do it. Jesus gets that. Doesn't mean he did it. It doesn't mean he fell to it. It just means that he understands the temptation that it came his way as well in his humanity as he was on this earth. He went one-on-one with those same temptations that we face the same weaknesses that we face. And so when he tells you, hey, don't do that thing, it's not because he just doesn't get you, just doesn't understand your life. If he was around today in 2023, like he would understand things are different now. No, he gets you. He gets the temptation. He experienced the temptation and he still knows what it will do to you. And so he understands our weaknesses on this like intimate level designed for your good. Why is it so often that I, like, think he's just out to get me that? Like, why are you trying to ruin my life and wreck my fun, Jesus? And actually, he's looking down going, I'm trying to rescue you. I'm trying to prevent a disaster in your life. Will you just listen to me? He gets our weaknesses. The same Jesus, right, that literally knows heaven. He's seen heaven. He's been in heaven. He's walked in heaven from, like, eternity past. And yet he's also walked the same streets of this earth, right? This, on the same dirt and the same 
dust that we breathe, like Jesus has been here and experienced this as well. He knows both. What an incredible high priest, right? What an incredible bridge that he's able to know heaven and know earth and know exactly what we're going through and exactly where we need to go. He's been there. He can lead the way. He knows the way if we will just follow him. He's a perfect mediator for us. And so not only does he know our weaknesses, it says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. He wasn't tempted. He was tempted far beyond what what we face. You realize that? This is every way. Have you been tempted in your life in every single possible temptation that could come? Probably not. You probably won't. You'll probably die before that even happens. But Jesus literally has stood up against all temptation of sin in a way that we can't even imagine, right? And yet, he didn't fall. He didn't break. He didn't snap. He didn't give in to the temptation. And he's put up with far more temptation than you ever will. He's faced off with far more weakness than you ever will. You know, the human body, your body was designed so that when you experience pain, you can only take so much pain, right? If you were being tortured tonight, God forbid that ever happened. But if you were, right, you would be experiencing pain to a certain point where God built in this really cool thing in you so that you wouldn't have to go past a certain point and you would pass out. And it was a way for your body to like relieve you of that pain because you could only handle a certain amount. You would never go to the maximum amount of pain that you could, like your body could possibly feel. God was gracious in allowing you this this way to get out of that through passing out. And here's the deal. If that were the same with temptation and sin in your spiritual life, it would be this, that Jesus has gone the max. Jesus has experienced the worst of temptations when Satan took him into the desert and tried to tempt him to sin in all these different powerful ways, and Jesus still resisted. We won't even experience, like, we spiritually pass out before that point. Like, we don't experience the fullness of that because Jesus has already stepped up and done it, and he won. (laughs) That's who I want to follow. He gets it. He's been there. He's done that. He knows the road and the way. I'm going to follow him because Jesus gets it. And when I face off with temptations so often, it destroys me. Like, it wins. It's the times that I'm able to stop and go, Jesus, I can't do this. I need you to win this battle for me. I need you to step in right now and cause me to be able to resist this temptation because on my own I can't, but you've already done it. We trust you to show me the way. Trust your strength in me to make this happen. It only happens when you are abiding in Jesus. When you're spending your days and your nights, you are on your knees before him saying, Jesus, I gotta follow you. You see, when temptation beats us, it's because we're off on our own and we're trying to do our thing. I'll live my life. I'm gonna get what I deserve. I'm going to experience my experiences. I'm just going to live and do all this awesome stuff. And I'm going to make me awesome. I'm going to like make myself better and study hard and do these sports. And like, I'm just going to be, and then we forget. There's Jesus right over there. And I look up and I'm like, man, I forgot all about you. I was so focused on my life and making myself better and making a name for myself. I forgot I was supposed to be following you. Those are the exact moments that we fall flat on our faces. 
because we're not trusting in Jesus. We're not leaning on Jesus for strength. And guess what? In the middle of your stride, when you're hitting full sprint, thinking your life is like going, that's exactly when you fall. In the middle of your pride, Proverbs says pride comes before destruction. You're like, man, I got this. And Satan reminds you, no, you don't. You want to live a life that follows Christ? Then follow Christ. You've got to actually follow him to make that happen. You've got to abide in him. You've got to spend your days going, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? When I go to work, what conversations do you want me to have in my job today or at school when I'm walking through the hallways? What do you want to have? I'm stuck in my house today. What do you want me to do today, Jesus? Do you, do you look to Jesus for all your decisions, or is that too like spiritually weird for you? Do you recognize that God is with you all day long? That Jesus desires to be in every second and every breath you take? Do you walk as if Jesus is there, praying without ceasing, saying, like, my life is about Jesus. Everything I do, I want it to be about him. Or you are the person that's over here, and you're like, Jesus, I'll check in with you when I really need you, and when things are falling and crashing around me, then I'll come check in with you, Jesus. Or maybe next, like, Wednesday when I'm at church, I'll check in with you again at worship. But in the meantime, I got this. And I'm over here just kind of, like, living my life, doing my thing. Which, which do you do? This great high priest, the way he works is in your heart. So invite him in your heart. Invite him in your life. Live with Jesus so that his strength can be yours. And when those temptations come, you don't fall flat on your face because you're leaning on Jesus. And he's not fallen. He hasn't fallen yet, and he never will. So lean on him to pick you up in those moments. Look, I'm not making little of your sin and your temptation. I'm not doing that tonight. I realize some of you guys are sitting here, and girls, you're, you're like, listen, I... I'm dealing with this thing that kicks my butt all the time. And I know it's wrong, and I know it doesn't honor God, and it makes me embarrassed and feel dirty and and, and shameful. And I wish I could just stop, but it seems like I can't. Like the sin just is controlling me right now, and the temptation kicks my butt every single time, and I just don't know how to get out of it. I get that. I understand that. But he's giving you the solution. You don't have to stay in that spot. You can look at sin and say, Jesus has a better way. You don't get to beat me this time. You don't get to win this time. Jesus has this battle. So turn your eyes back to Jesus, your great high priest, who's better than everything, and say, Jesus, you got this one. Let me trust you in this. Don't let sin just kick your butt every single time you face off with it. You've got a champion in your ring to trust him. Let him battle for you. Stop trying to live it on your own. He says, we have one who's been tempted in every way. It's Jesus, just as we are. There's this like intimacy of his understanding exactly what temptations are coming at you. This like he perfectly understands it. You know, like as I talk to people about Jesus, A lot of times when people don't want to hear it, this is why. They'll say something like, Jesus just doesn't get me. Like, how could this God understand what I'm going through? And then they'll begin to list all the things in their life that are just broken. The things that are causing them pain. I heard a story about a guy, this is a true story. His his name was Booth Tucker. 
and he worked for the Salvation Army, Army uh, and he was in Chicago doing this like revival. He was preaching, and he was doing this big thing in these services each night, and people were coming to the services and listening, and this one guy after one of the services came up to him and pulled him aside, and he's like, hey, listen, you need to stop preaching this stuff. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, like that, that would like shock me for a minute, like, whoa, where are you coming from? And it, that's what happened. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen, my wife just died. And I got to look at my kids in the face every night that we come in here and you preach this stuff. I got to go home and tell my kids that God is good. And their mom just died. How can you preach that to us? He must not get it. He doesn't understand. He's like, you don't get us. Your wife didn't just die. You're kid's mom didn't just die, and you're trying to tell us that God is good. The guy walked away, furious, stormed out, and the preacher is just like, man, so he kneeled down and prayed for this man. A couple nights later, the revival was over, and this preacher, Booth Tucker, his wife was driving home and got in a car accident and died. And he's just looking at God like, are you you serious? Is this some sort of lesson for me after I just had this conversation with this other guy? You take my wife. And it caused him to sit before God and understand that other guy in such an intimate way because now he just lost his wife. And so the next couple days go by and he goes to preach the funeral for his wife, right? And they go back to the same place that they just did this big evangelism like, service and they're in the same spot because it was already rented so he does this funeral there and in the funeral he preaches about how good God is and he's just invited people let people come whoever wants to come and he's he says during his sermon he says a few nights ago a man was here and he'll probably never speak to me again he he stormed out furious but he reminded me of something and he started to tell the story of how that man had lost his wife And he said, if I could, now that I've just lost my wife, if I could go back and just find that guy again and tell him, you know what I would tell him? God is still good. I do understand him now. And you know what? God is still good. As hard as it is for me to say that tonight, having lost my wife, I want him to know that, that God loves him and forgives him, and he still has a plan for his life. And he finishes his sermon, and people are coming by and and giving their condolences, and At the very end, as most of the crowd's gone, he sees that man had come that night to the funeral. And he sees the man walking around to talk to him. He comes up to him, and he's he's in shock that he actually had come to the funeral. He's like, why are you here? I never figured you'd ever want to see me again. And he said, I was here because I heard your wife die. He said, I had to come see you because I understood what you're going through. And I heard what you said up there. And he said, you're right. God is good. Right there at the end of this, at this woman's funeral, that guy kneeled down and asked Jesus to forgive his sin and to save him. He understood that God being good didn't depend on your life being perfect or not. That there will be hard times and pain along the way, but Jesus promises to be with you through all of it because he gets you. He understands the pain you're going through, the sorrow, the brokenness. He gets all of it. He doesn't promise to take it all away. 
or to stop it from happening, but he does promise that he's there with you the whole time. He's going to walk you through it. He's going to surround you with people that can walk you as the body of Christ. That's what Jesus does. That's why he's such a great high priest, because he understands us. And yet, even getting our sin and our temptation and all that stuff that we fail to all the time, you know what it says next? Yet he did not sin. Jesus was God. He wasn't just a man. And being God, he was able to resist. And that's the strength he wants to give to you. Jesus was not found guilty of falling to temptation. He's perfect. There are other churches and other preachers out there that are going to tell you Jesus sinned. He was a good guy, but he still sinned. It says right here in Hebrews, and you can point in your Bible when someone tells you that next time. Open right up to Hebrews and say, it says right here, he did not sin. Jesus was sinless and perfect in spite of everything else we would fall to. And you're like, man, but, you know, I just don't, I don't quite get how Jesus could get me. Like, if he never sinned, how does he know what I'm feeling or going through when I sin? How could he get me and relate to me if he's not sinned and I have? And I think of it this way. If you had to have a surgery, let's say your heart was going to, you know, go and you needed some surgery on your heart. And so you go and you get a surgery and you got to choose a doctor and your choices are this. You have this one surgeon who's done this heart surgery like thousands and thousands of times perfectly and the patients always survive and always come out well. It's always successful. But he's never had heart surgery on himself before. He's only done it on other people. And then you have your other option is this patient who's got a bad heart, who's had surgery on his heart tons and tons of times but he's not a surgeon, he's not medically trained, and he's never done that surgery before, but he's had it done on him. He's experienced it himself. Which one do you want to have do surgery on your heart? But he doesn't get you. This doctor's never had heart surgery before, right? He doesn't get you. Listen, Jesus hasn't sinned, but Jesus knows exactly what your heart needs. He knows how to repair the thing that's broken in you. He gets it. He understands it. And though he's not sinned before or needed that forgiveness before, you know what Jesus has done? He's become sin for you when he went to a cross. He didn't just take your sin. He became sin. He took all of sin, the full penalty of God on him on that cross. Take it away from you and to repair your heart, to make you clean to give you forgiveness. Take that huge distance between you and God that you can never jump over and he becomes that bridge. He says, I know how to get you there. Listen, you're like, well, I've been a Christian. I've been going to church. I've been doing all this stuff. That's great. That's awesome. Have you actually ever trusted Jesus with everything? Have you looked at Jesus and said, you really do know the way? Or you've been following Jesus like this, like, okay, yeah, I see you over there, but I'm still doing my thing. And out of the corner of your eye, you're like, I'm keeping an eye on Jesus when it's convenient or when I need him. But have you ever just turned and been like full on, I'm running after you, like I'm following you. I will be in your shadow the whole time. You're not getting away. I just want my life to be about you. Have you ever done that? You ever said, like, all these other things in my life are cool and whatever, but, like, I want you more than them? 
You ever wanted Jesus more than you've wanted friendships and popularity and like fellowship with other people? Has he ever mattered more to you than what your friends think? You ever wanted Jesus more than money or a nice car or house or clothes? What are the things that you put between you and Jesus to say, you're cool when I need you, but I really am so focused on these things? What if you looked over and said, you're the only way I'm getting to God and you're everything to me. You really are better than everything. How would your life be different? Think about it. Like what, what things in your life would change? They wouldn't be different tomorrow if you started going, I'm all in on you. Take it all away. You want to take my sport away that I love so much? It's okay. Take it. I'm willing. You can take it if you want it. And that group of friends I love, like their attention, you can take them if you need to. Whatever the thing, right? How would your life change? Verse 16 ends, it says this. Let us then, because of that, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Look, the people again are hearing that and they're going, what are you saying, you heretic? How do you approach the throne of God? You don't belong in the throne of God. Remember the Israelites had this temple and, and before that they had a tabernacle, this thing was set up where you, could, you had to stay way outside, away from where like God's presence was, right? The Holy of Holies. You couldn't get in there. We talked about that at the beginning of this book. You couldn't walk into the throne of God. You were like way in the outer gates, right? Most of us tonight would be in the outer gates, like way outside. That's their concept of God. And this guy is saying, you can walk into God's throne, into the holy of holies. Literally walk into the presence of God. And they're like, "That's we're dirty and unclean and sinful. We can't go in there. He'll strike us dead immediately. That's what they're thinking in their heads. And this guy's like, no, you can walk in. And I can tell you how. He won't strike you dead. He's inviting you into his very presence. And he doesn't just call it God's throne. Listen, he says, then let us approach God's throne of grace. They weren't used to that either. They, they saw that as like, when we show up, you know what we do? We sacrifice animals and do all these sacrifices because we're sinful and we're broken. We don't get grace. We got to like sacrifice. We're trying to avoid punishment. And this guy, this author of Hebrews is showing us Jesus saying, you don't have to see God as this big punisher in the sky anymore. You get to see him as a God who loves you and is chasing you down to give you forgiveness. Who literally sent his only son to come die for you so you could be saved and have grace, this thing you don't deserve. This is a totally different picture than what they were used to hearing and seeing. And he said, you can do it. His next words here say, with confidence. You don't have to walk in scared to death. You know, the priests, when they would walk into the Holy of Holy, they wore this bell, right, and this rope. So if the bell stopped dinging, they figured, oh, that dude must have messed up and God struck him dead. And they'd pull the rope and just kind of like pull the dead body out was the plan, right? And so that was, he would enter in scared to death. Like, I hope I'm not going to die when I walk in this, this place in the presence of God. The author of Hebrews is telling us we can walk into God's presence boldly with confidence, knowing he's not going to strike you down. Some of us feel like that. Like, I can't even talk to God. I can't pray to God tonight because I feel guilty for things I've done. Some people don't even show up at church because they feel like they don't belong there. They're too, they're, they're too sinful. They're too whatever. And God's saying the exact opposite. 
He's saying, come. Come to me. Come into the church. Surround yourself with my body, my family that loves you and will show you how to get to the great high priest, Jesus. Who will walk you into the holy of holies, into my presence. So we can be made right. God wants a relationship with you. I wonder tonight, by the way we live sometimes, if we actually want a relationship with the God of all creation. Sometimes maybe we think that's a boring thing. That's an old person's story. That's an irrelevant piece of information for our lives. We're like, yeah, we don't really need that. Maybe we think we're beyond that. But if we could really see how small we are compared to God, and yet he's still offering us a relationship, we would run into the Holy Holy. And that's what he wants us to do. Run in with confidence. And he says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So that's my my final question to close tonight. It's from that verse right there. Do you realize that you need grace? That you are in a time of need right now? So am I where we need the grace of God. And if you don't think you actually need it, you're never going to ask for it, and you're going to drift right by salvation. Your great high priest, Jesus, came down to offer it to you, but now it's in your hands tonight. It's up to you to look up to God and say, I need you. I surrender to you. Will you please forgive me and save me tonight? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? The band's going to come up and lead us in another song. And as they do, I would just ask you as we sing this next song, would you just ask Jesus that question? Do I actually realize that I need you? Have I actually taken my life and said, Jesus, I'm running 100% after you. I'm not just watching you out of the corner of my eye anymore. I want that. I want my life to be about you. Just pause for a minute in the quiet of your heart. Would you just ask God that?